Hey guys, Wes Goldberg of Locked On Heat here with my co-host David Ramil. Before we jump into this episode, we're going to do something that we rarely do, and that is to make a humble ask of you. We have a brand new Patreon page. You can find it by going to patreon.com forward slash locked on heat. And we're asking for people to commit to pledging a dollar a month to help us improve the quality of the show. So check it out. Please take a look. And if you're so inclined to help us out and improve your own listening experience, donate to our fund. We put out so much free material. The podcast is free and we spend a lot of time and effort trying to make it the best daily podcast we can for you, the listener. To do that, all we're asking for is 20 listeners to pledge about a dollar a month. That would cover the overhead for the software that we're hoping to adopt and use. By going to patreon.com slash lockdownheat and becoming a patron, you will become an official Lockdown Heat board member. David and I like to hear from you, and by creating this board, we will have a group of dedicated listeners to bounce ideas off of for the show. You'll have an opportunity to help influence the podcast and get to say cool things to your friends like, I'm on a board. We're simply asking now that you show your support for what we're doing so that hopefully we can keep doing this for a very long time. First, we'll improve the audio quality, and from there, as we get more pledges, patrons, and of course, board members, we'll use the money to further enhance the show and maybe feed the hosts here and there. So please go check it out. Again, it's patreon.com forward slash locked on heat. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash locked on heat. You are locked on heat, your daily Miami heat podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Good night. It's Sean Woodley from locked on Raptors with Wes Goldberg from locked on heat. How's it going, man? It's good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, happy to talk. It's the first time the Raptors and Heat have played this season, I believe. So it's uh, for people who maybe not haven't seen the Raptors or Heat from perspective fan bases. It's a good chance to sort of get to know the the teams that are going to be coming across the the schedule tomorrow, um, or I guess if we're dropping this on Tuesday, then tonight, whatever. Uh, chronology doesn't matter a whole lot to me. So um, time is uh, just a man-made construction. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> So some interesting stuff with these two teams. I think both of them, you could argue, are a lot different than maybe the last time they would have come, come across each other. I don't really remember them playing each other last season. Like there weren't like particularly notable games in my mind. They played a couple early and then one late, and it was just kind of stuff that happened. There weren't any like crazy close games or anything like that. But uh, lots has changed since that playoff series a couple years ago. So if people want to use that as a you know barometer and a way to sort of compare it, then sure, you can do that. Um, for me, I think the thing I want to start with is sort of a broader question about the Heat. And I think it's kind of interesting because they locked themselves into this roster of like good, not great players for the most part. Uh, you could argue that a couple of guys are, are you know bordering on what top 25, top 30 status in the league. But it's just like a deep roster of good players, which is pretty good for regular season purposes. And the Raptors kind of have that going right now, too. Um, but my biggest question, and uh, conveniently enough, you, you informed me before the podcast that you guys recorded a podcast about this on Monday. Um, so I'll just throw it to you right now while it's fresh in your mind. Who do you think is the best player in the Miami Heat? Because I feel like there's like a few options. Well, you're throwing it to me now. If you would have thrown this to me, the same question to me, uh, maybe four or five days ago, my answer would have been Goran Dragic. Mm-hmm. And it really wouldn't have been so close. We actually, at the end of at the end of the year last year, we did like an end of the year power rankings type situation like who was the most valuable player on the heat and my answer was Goran Dragic just because I thought you know if given what the heat have outside of Dragic is Miami's only true point guard so without him I thought that the team would basically be a lottery team but the way that Josh Richardson has been playing lately and and when I say lately I mean for the last at least 10 games it's been for the last 10 to 15 games 
He has been Miami's best player, and it's not close, to be honest. I mean, what Dragic does offensively, for example, he gets Miami into their offense. He is probably their most consistent scorer. But what Josh Richardson is able to do on both ends of the court, we're getting to a point where, and Josh Richardson, a lot of, I don't, I'm not really sure what the outside perception of him is outside of Miami and outside Heat fans, but he's been playing, and I'm not, and I'm not using hyperbole here, Sean. He's been playing at an All NBA type level defensively for a couple of years now, and right. and I don't know if that's noticed around the rest of the league and around other fan bases, but he has been there offensively. He's been hit or miss. He does a few nice things. He's maybe a secondary, but more likely like a, a tertiary ball handler at best. Uh, he'll, he'll get you some points here and there from, from three-point range on kickouts from Dragic or Dion Waiters when they're driving into the lane. That's been the case, but this year, it's been different. Josh Richardson is the guy handling the ball. He, the ball. He's essentially Miami's backup point guard behind Dragic. Uh, he's, he's the only player that has started for Miami every game this season. Um, and, in, and in these last 10 to 15 games, he has, he, he's averaging, I think, 19 or 20 points a game. He's getting Miami into their offense. He's even get, letting Dragic get off the ball a little bit because that, that takes advantage of Dragic's outside shooting. And defensively, he's picking up the best player on the other team, the best wing player on the, on, the, on the opposing team every single night. And at the end of games now, and this is not just me saying this, because at the end of games now, Spolstra is giving him those responsibilities. Spolstra, by his coaching, you could tell where Josh Richardson stands in the hierarchy on, on the heat. And he's at the top now. And I say that because at the end of that Utah Jazz game on Sunday night, it was mm-hmm. Josh Richardson who was given the ball in crunch time. Now, Deion Waiters is out. And Deion Waiters has, last two minutes has been Deion Waiters' time. He's been out with an ankle situation. And this has been the best possible thing for Richardson because he's been allowed to now handle the rock in those, in the, in those moments. And he, and he hit the go-ahead layup to win the game. And on the other end, he was guarding Donovan Mitchell. And you and I both know how good Donovan Mitchell has been all season. He, yeah. he shut down Donovan Mitchell in the last minute and a half. And he outplayed Donovan Mitchell. As much shine as Donovan Mitchell is getting from the league, Josh Richardson outplayed him. Now you could say, okay, he outplayed a rookie, big deal. Donovan Mitchell is a sensational rookie. So yeah. Richardson at this point is Miami's best player. I, I, I Right now he's Miami's best player. He's playing the best out of anybody on the Heat. And I think by the end of the season he will be Miami's best player just like done. Like he is the Heat's best player. And I don't think that they saw this coming. That's uh, it's really interesting to talk about Josh Richardson in relation to the Raptors and Norman Powell, who those two were like totally compared with each other in that playoff series in 2016 because both were you know picks from the 40s in that second round and who were you know among the better sort of overall players from that draft that season. Uh, and they seem to have kind of gone different ways this season. Uh, you know, Richardson having a bigger role starting every game. Norman Powell got the chance to start the season as a starter, but lost his job pretty quickly. Um, you know, injury was part of it, but you know the way OG. Ananobi played while Powell was out kind of left the Raptors with no choice but to keep Powell coming off the bench mm-hmm. because Powell was just so ineffective um, and it's just kind of crazy how the, those two have sort of evolved and sort of you know taken their third seasons and, and what's happened with them because Norm at this point I mean we talk about how deep the Raptors are I mean Norm is probably like the 11th or 12th guy in the rotation right now yeah. and it, it's kind of crazy considering you know he was probably the most trusted young guy coming into the season um and so with Richardson like it's you know that that's awesome for for Heat fans that he's been able to sort of put together a season like he has you know it's it's funny that you're talking about the depth that the, the Raptors have and I think you know what the Raptors have at Miami doesn't obviously is two superstar players I mean they've got they've got Kyle Lowry they've got DeMar DeRozan those are two inarguable top 40 NBA players 
I don't think the Heat have anything that that is in that range. I mean, some people would argue it's on Whiteside's there. I'm not going to argue that. I don't think he's at that <laughs> point. Um, I don't think Dragic is quite that level. You know, he's he's certainly a notch or two below Kyle Lowry. But it is it, what is interesting is that these are probably the two deepest teams in the Eastern Conference. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just as far as these these are two teams that could go 11 or 12 deep, and they they probably shouldn't on a night to night basis just because you have to give minutes to your better players. But they could go 11 or 12 deep. And and what's good about them, and, and particularly I think what we're going to look at even further down the stretch of this 82-game schedule and even in the postseason, which both of these teams should make the playoffs, Toronto certainly will, um, is that in the playoffs when injuries be, could become a major factor, that could be a real big advantage for Toronto and Miami. I, again, these are two. I, I don't know if there's another team in the Eastern Conference that can get 10 deep. Like. I don't know if there's another team in the Eastern Conference that can, frankly, go nine deep in a playoff situation. I think Toronto and Miami both can. Yeah. Is there any sort of issues? Are, are Heat fans, like, angry that Eric Spolstra has been playing a certain guy a certain amount of minutes? Is there sort of any contention with what the rotation is? Because with Toronto, I think this kind of gone down a little bit. But at the start of the year, uh, you know, the Raptors were going 12 deep in most games because everyone was healthy and everyone was playing particularly well. Um, aside from Norm, I guess. But, you know, there were some people who were like, oh, Fred Van Vliet shouldn't be playing so much in crunch time or Lucas Noguera shouldn't be getting minutes over Jakob Pertl. Um, But I think it's kind of calmed down. I think people kind of realize the value of playing so deep during the regular season and they're getting wins out of it. So I don't think there's anything to be, you know, too, too complainy about. Are there anyone on the Heat that, you know, fans are kind of a little miffed that they're getting all the action that they're getting? It's, it's almost the opposite there. I think there's there is a want on the Heat fan perspective to see more Bam Adebayo. Right. Um, and to see some of these guys who don't get as much playing time get more playing time. And I think a lot of times people just say, well, we should play Bam more. Okay, who's playing less? You want to play yeah. Kelly Olenek less? No, he's playing great. I mean, he he is Miami's second best player. You know, if Josh Richardson is their first best player, he, right now, today, he's Miami's second best player. Um, you want to play Whiteside less? Yes, actually we do. But that... You know, <laughs> That's 100% true. So and that's actually what's happened recently, by the way. Whiteside's playing 26, 28 minutes a game. He's aver- He used to average 31 to 33 minutes a game. So you're seeing Bam get some more of those minutes, especially with Kelly Olenek now is playing power forward. We could talk about that specific matchup later if you want. But um, I think Bam getting him more playing time. A lot of people wanted Wayne Ellington to get, get more playing time. Fortunately for the Heat, what's been, such, what's been the case for them this year has been uh, Deion Waiters has missed a lot of games. Justice Winslow has missed a lot of games. Um, Gordon Dragic missed a couple games here and there. A bunch of players have been injured, and that has kind of cleared the way for some of these other guys to have like four or five game moments where they get to play 20-plus minutes a game. You know what I mean? Because they're filling in for injuries, and they're allotting those minutes to them, the, the guys that are healthy. And so that's kind of helped them in, in a weird way, the injuries have. I mean, Miami got off to a slow start in the beginning, and a lot of that was because of the injuries. But in a way, that's helped them because they've discovered a lot of new things. Like I mentioned, Deion Waiters being out, they've discovered Josh Richardson as, as one of their best players, you know? Um, yeah. James Johnson being out and Hassan Whiteside being out for different points. They discovered that Bam Adebayo is not a rookie that needs to ride the bench. He could play right now and he can give you 8 to 10 quality minutes a game. Not not a problem on any given night, you know? So they've, mm-hmm. they've figured these things out. Um, now when all these guys get healthy... That'll be a different situation. I, I have no idea. I mean, Deion Waiters, Tyler Johnson's been starting in Deion Waiters' spot, and he's been great. He'll probably go to the bench. But I don't know that Deion Waiters should get the starting job again because only, only because he uses the ball so much. And I think he's getting, to answer your original question, are, are there Heat fans that are miffed that some guys are playing too much? Deion Waiters is playing too much. you know. And I don't know that, 
I, I love Dion Waiters, by the way. I'm on I'm on the island. I'm on the Dion Waiters island. But it is um, he do, he should not be starting next to Dragic because he takes the ball out of Dragic's hands and he takes the ball out of Josh Richardson's hands. There's too many ball handlers in that starting unit when Waiters is in there. Tyler Johnson's more of like a post, uh, you know, a, a catch and shoot kind of guy who can handle a little bit and attack off the dribble. Waiters needs the rock, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Bring him off the bench might be the best situation for Miami, but I'm getting ahead of myself because we don't even know if he'll be back this season, depending on what happens with his ankle. So, yeah, fair enough. What's the deal with Whiteside? Um, I feel like there's maybe just the way you've sort of alluded to him in this podcast so far. I feel like there might be sort of similar undercurrents with him and Jonas Valanciunas. Very just similar. In- you want to trade? Yeah. Just swap them. Yeah, uh, I mean, no. Actually, no. I don't want to either. <laughs> I certainly don't. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big Whiteside guy. It sounds like you're not particularly a big Whiteside guy either. Um, is he kind of going through the same thing that Jonas has been for the last like four years in that there are just certain matchups where he can't play? Um, because that's kind of the deal with Jonas. And, mm. you know, Heat fans will remember Jonas and, and Whiteside going at it in that playoff series and thinking, you know, man, these two are the best players in this series right yeah. now. But I feel like both guys have kind of lost some clout since then. And, and Jonas at this point, I mean, he had a great game. He outscored and out-rebounded the Bucks alone in the third quarter on, yeah. on Friday night. It was crazy at 20-9. and nine. Um, And he'll have moments where he's really good and really effective. But, like, you can kind of telegraph when those moments are going to come because they're against certain matchups and certain teams. Like, if he's playing the, the Pistons, like, he's going to have a good game because he just destroys Andre Drummond for whatever reason. Um, but, like, you can kind of predict games where he's not going to play well either. And... Depending on how much the Heat go with Whiteside in this one, we could see, you know, if they play Kelly Olenek at the five, like that could be a situation where, mm-hmm. all right, Jonas can't be on the floor anymore. It's just, it's just a non-starter. So what's the deal with Whiteside? Has he kind of, like, I feel like a year ago, maybe he would have been the answer to who the best player on the Heat is, but it doesn't feel like we even think he's top three at this point. I think when the, this, I, I'm glad you bring those similarities up between Valanciunas and, and Whiteside because they both got paid, you know what I mean? That same summer, I think, right? And... Or maybe Whiteside was the summer after. I don't quite remember. But it was, you know, when those guys get paid, you start to notice the little things that they don't do so well, right? Like, you notice that Valanciunas is not a great defender. Like, before, when he got that contract, you're like, okay, he could grow into a good defender. Let's pay him so that he could grow into that. And he's, no, he's never been a good defender. He never will be. Um, he doesn't really shoot from the outside necessarily well. Uh, you know, with Whiteside, you know, of course, he has the blocks and everything. With Whiteside, it's been... You know, he does the big things really well. Gets points, he gets rebounds, he gets blocks, does all that. He doesn't set good screens. He doesn't pass the ball out of double teams. And he's, to his credit, has been doing that a lot better lately. And when I say lately, I mean for like three games. So we'll see. We'll see. But he has taken, and he has said this to, you know, he said this to, to media, you know, that he wants to take that next step. He wants to be better at passing out of double teams and stuff. Um, so we'll see if that continues against Toronto. But, you know... You mentioned how how they're they're using them, and you know, with, will they go to Olenek at the five? That's what they've been doing the last three nights, the last three games. Is that Whiteside has been sitting at the end of games, and Kelly Olenek is starting at center with James Johnson at power forward, and mm-hmm. that's been their closing lineup, and it's been really really effective for them. I mean, they are winning games in those last few minutes, literally winning the games in those last few minutes because they're close up until then with Olenek and James Johnson in a quote unquote small ball lineup, even though Olenek is a solid seven feet tall. So. You know, that's kind of where Miami is playing him now. I, I guarantee you that Spolster in this matchup against Toronto is going to be using Olenek at center, and he's going to dare Toronto to match up with that. And and that's going to be probably the main weapon that he goes to to try to beat Toronto and upset them is, is Olenek at center. And he's going to say, what are you going to do about this? So I know Valanchunas 
you know, he's the starting center, but what, what do you think, Toronto, like, what is Toronto's small ball answer for Olenek and James Johnson in the front court? Uh, it'd probably be either Ibaka and Ananobi or Ibaka and Siakam. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've kind of gone with that quite a bit lately, and they've had no problem going small. Like, Valanciunas rarely closes games, unless it's, like I mentioned, against a certain matchup. So if Whiteside's closing tomorrow's game or tonight's game, then we'll probably see Valanciunas out there. If not, we'll probably see Ibaka at the five. And that's been a really effective look. I think the biggest issue, and I haven't checked the numbers on this in a little while since I wrote about it, but the biggest sort of red flag about having Ibaka play center has been, oh, are they going to rebound well enough? But uh, when it's, whether it's you know Ananobi or Siakam, they've done a good enough job rebounding out there. Ibaka's defensive rebounding percentage actually goes up when he's mm-hmm. playing center, and you know it's been it's not been amazing. There have been certain games, like there was a game against the Clippers, where a big offensive rebound by DeAndre Jordan over Ibaka was sort of the deciding factor of that game. Um, there was a Milos Teodosic three, and the fact that Kyle Howard didn't play defense for ten minutes in that fourth quarter, but uh, you know the, the offensive rebounding came back to bite them there. There have been certain games this season. I think the game against the Thunder a couple weeks ago at the start of the season against the San Antonio Spurs like there have been games where the rebounding has kind of bitten them in the ass a little bit but for the most part Ibaka has been totally fine there and the offense is just so good when he's at center that it's uh it, they've been able to sort of make it up on the other end and you know it depends sometimes it'll even go super small with CJ Miles at the four CJ literally Wayne Ellington Miles um <laughs> <laughs> kind of curious to see uh, the two clones play each other tomorrow uh, in that game but uh Wayne tonight, Ellington I- has the most three-pointers in the league right now yeah, it's Miles crazy. is currently attempting, I believe, 12 threes That's per nuts. 36 minutes. Yeah, uh, so he's been just like – he hasn't played quite as much as I kind of hoped he would. Um, and maybe tomorrow you can get away with it if, if James Johnson's playing the four. I, I'm kind of curious to see if that will be a matchup against uh, – in which you know, Dwayne Casey – teams are pretty similar. I mean, I'm, yeah, like, it's we're talking in it. It is weird. Like, you've got, like, C.J. Miles, Wayne Ellington, right? Like, Kyle Lowry, Goran Dragic. Like, they're similar-type yeah. players, I think. Like, underrated defensively. Um, you know, will get you into the offense, but aren't going to go out and score 30 points a night, you know? Yeah. Uh, even though, I, like I said, Lowry, I'll, I'll give him the edge. He's a better player. But, like, the one thing that he don't have is the DeMar DeRozan guy. And I yeah. think, like, if you're a Heat fan, you're hoping, like, okay, maybe Josh Richardson could be that. And if Josh Richardson keeps playing the way he's been playing, like, he's not scoring 40 points a game or whatever. Um, yeah. So they're missing that part, but like Justice Winslow, OG and Nunnaby, you know, defensive minded, stretch four kind of weird tweener guys, Valanciunas and Whiteside. Both of these teams are really similar. The only, you know, the edge that Miami has is Spo over Dwayne Casey, and then the edge yep. that Toronto has is DeRozan over Miami doesn't have a guy like that. So, and if Miami did have a guy like that, by the way, Miami would be, I think, right up there with Toronto and Boston and Cleveland. I, I really think that. I mean, that that's a big thing. Like, obviously, every team would want like a top thirty player, like DeRozan is. But like, yeah. if they had that, they're, that's like that's what they're missing to get up to that level, which is really interesting. Because if one of Miami's guys can kind of be that for a game, they could beat anybody. You know, they've already beaten Boston twice this year. Like, if if Miami could get that from somebody on any given night, and a lot, of, and that's kind of Dion Waiters' value is that variance that he provides. Um, if somebody, if you could get that from somebody, Miami could beat anybody. And if and when you look at this Toronto game, they'll have guys that could defend DeRozan as credibly as anybody else in the league. You know, no, nobody's going to stop DeRozan, especially the way he's shooting from three point range now and how much that opens up his game. But um, I'll be interested to see for who from Miami steps up, if anybody. You know. Yeah, totally. This is a fun matchup, I think. Uh, the way, as you kind of alluded to, there's like a lot of similar players across the board. So that'll be 
fun to see that matchup. Yeah, I, I want to see how Josh Richardson defends DeMar. I mean, there have been very few guys this season who have been able to defend DeMar. Um, yeah. Even guys that have typically done okay against him just don't have a chance. Um, and I think that's probably a, like a byproduct of the Raptors' new offense. And you mentioned the whole Dwayne Casey thing and how you know Spo is probably the advantage, like the, the better coach between the two. And I would agree that Spo is still probably the better coach. But uh, I don't know. Casey has done a, just a, a ridiculously good job this season he in has. terms Nothing of like to, yeah, getting, can't take anything away from him. Yeah. yeah, getting dudes to buy into a brand new system after so many years of being kind of the same and not really kind of seeming pretty rigid. Um, it seemed like it really did seem like they'd have to fire a coach in order to get a change in the offense. But no, like Casey has got DeMar and Kyle to buy in DeMar. I think, you know, Kyle's numbers are down probably as a byproduct of this offense. And I think it's probably by design to get him less wear and tear throughout the season and hopefully preserve him for the playoffs because he hasn't been healthy in the playoffs since, you know, 2014 against the Nets. Um, so like, I think it all is kind of working together. And the way Dwayne's just managed everything from the rotation going so deep to getting creative with different lineups, like we're, we're going to see, I guarantee we'll see that Abaka lineup with him at the five. Yeah. Um, and I'm also curious to see how the starters play against if, if Whiteside's out there because because the, the starting five has been just blowing teams away the last, you know, ever since OG got inserted in the middle of November against the Rockets, the starting five has been unbelievable. So I'm curious to see how that'll play, because I'm wondering, you know, the Raptors had a really easy December in terms of schedule. It was just like a bunch of, you know, lottery bound teams that they kind of came across and just wiped the floor with. But, um, you know, the, the starters were really good. They were the reason they won that game on Friday against the Bucks, where they completely, you know, they had scored the Bucks 43-19 in the third quarter. Most of that was the starters. Um, so I'm, I'd like to see, I want to see how they kind of match up against the better team because the Heat, I, I agree. Like, they're, is it a hot take to say that I would take the Heat over the Celtics in a playoff series? That's an extremely hot take. That's the hottest take I've ever heard. <laughs> really? I don't know if that's that hot. <laughs> they beat them twice. I know. I guess. I guess it's not the hottest take, but they beat. Them, I bet I'd still take Boston. I mean, Boston's. I just they have a level that Miami can't get to because they have guy. They have a guy like Kyrie Irving, who I I, guess, I was yeah. saying that the Heat should like. I wanted the Heat to trade for Kyrie Irving before the season because they don't have that. You know, I just yeah. I think you'd get that player and then you figure it out later. And I, I'm a big fan of Kyrie Irving's game. I think he, he's a superstar. Like literally, could be. I think he could be the best player on a championship team. I know that a lot of people don't think that. I think he can be, but. Um, yeah, I wouldn't take I wouldn't take Miami over Boston, Toronto, Cleveland. I don't think they're there yet. They just don't have they don't have that guy. And frankly, Toronto never that's why they've always been I mean, there's several reasons why they haven't been good in the playoffs. One of yeah. them is because DeMar DeRozan wasn't that guy. He was that guy in the regular season, but he wasn't. And I think DeMar DeRozan can be that guy this year because he's done what he had to do with his game and Dwayne Casey has put him in a system that works for him better than ever, you know? And and I think DeRozan is really like DeRozan if he continues this rate of play like is it crazy to call to 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 consider him for most improved player? Like he is playing so like a much better game this year. I just feel like, or maybe maybe I don't know. Am I wrong on that? Like I've seen Toronto a handful of times. I don't watch them every game like you do. Is it is it crazy to think that he could be in the running for most improved? I think it's kind of on the table. I mean, most improved. I have no idea how to gauge each year because like I mean, Curry who, won that one year, right? Or like we yeah, thought he should. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, Demar, like, just the three-point shooting alone, I think, is enough to sort of put him in the conversation. And what's most impressive to me is that, like, last season I thought was kind of the peak of Demar. I mean, he averaged like twenty-seven a game. He had like career-best efficiency numbers. The threes weren't there, but everything else was there. And it was like the first season in which the Raptors were significantly better with him on the court than when when he was off. Um, like last season seemed like his like final leap into whatever he was going to be at, at his peak. But like he's just taken it a hold of the 
level this year, which is insane to me. Um, so yeah, maybe it is. Maybe he does deserve to be in that conversation. Like, I don't know. I don't. I've heard people say like, "Oh, Demar's going to get MVP votes," and I'm like, eh, "I don't really think that should no, be the case." Me. But yeah. I think I do think. Um, just it seems like his reputation around the league. I think there will be like those phantom like fifth place votes probably, yeah. like Isaiah Thomas got last year. Um, like I, I think we'll probably see that. I'm not sure how deserving he is of that. Like I think he's been incredible this season. You could, you could argue he's been a top ten player this season in the NBA. Oh, 100. Yeah, but like, I mean, he's been better than a lot of top. Like, if you think about who was in the top ten last year, like Gordon Hayward and Jimmy Butler, like they yeah. were top ten players last year. Drozen's been much better than both of them. Obviously Hayward, but like he's been better than Jimmy Butler too. Like yeah. he's definitely been a top ten player this year. Yeah, so I think he'll get those phantom MVP votes and stuff. So, and I, I, I think he was third team All NBA last season. I think there's an argument that he could be second team All NBA so far this year. Um, he's been like just a delight, and it, it's. It's really cool to have a guy, and it's interesting to talk about this with a Miami fan. Um, it's cool to have a guy who stuck around and didn't go play for the the big three in Miami, and who right. decided, you know, when Chris Bosh left, like he tweeted as soon as Chris Bosh left, like, yeah, don't worry, I got us. And he was one year into his career. He talked about it today on the Woj Pod, actually, um, and how at the time he just like was not prepared to do that, but uh, he was going to work hard for it, and he did. And like, I, it's. There are very few players I can think of whose trajectory resembles the Rosens. Like, just think of how, like, the first three seasons of his career, the first four seasons, he was just kind of stagnant, didn't really improve. Everyone just kind of thought he was a dunker, and that was about it. And then just steadily, every year since then, he's gotten a little bit better. And I don't really think there are many players who get better in year 19 or year nine, unless you're LeBron James. So, like, it's very hard, I think, to have that sort of trajectory where you continue to get better this deep into your career. A lot of guys kind of plateau and kind of stay what they are around year five or six um so uh, yeah it's it's been a joy to watch Demar this season even though Kyle has taken a bit of a step back again I think kind of by design uh it's been really fun to watch Demar uh blossom into you know for the first time I think you can actually argue he's been the best player on the Raptors and that is mm-hmm. you know Lowry still all of his underlying numbers like he's still like top six or seven in terms of you know like real plus minus and things like that like he all of his underlying numbers still remain incredible but Demar has been just a different sort of beast this season and it's been really fun to watch um do you have any lingering questions before we wrap this thing up well you know you brought up a little while ago the this the starting five for toronto i think that that's going to be a main thing because miami's starting five lately with and they've they've switched their lineups a lot this year right now they're starting Whiteside and olenic in the front court with josh richardson tyler johnson and goran dragic uh and that 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 starting lineup has basically been neutral you know and right. it's the bench that's been winning games for Miami, and that's similar to last year when they went thirty and eleven in the final forty-one games. Um, it's similar to that, so I'll. That's something I'm, I hadn't thought about until you brought it up, but it'll be that'll be something to watch in this game. Is if and, and I'm sure Miami knows that, and they're gonna they're gonna come out on the road with urgency. They're probably gonna try to at least play it to a draw. If my, but I would not be surprised if Miami just kind of fell behind early to Toronto and then sort of climbed back in it after two or three quarters. Uh, so as far as a matchup, I'm sort of looking at that, but that's, you know, that'll be interesting for from a Heat fan perspective is, okay, let's let's not fall behind early and, and kind of dig ourselves into a hole here because that would probably be the worst case scenario for Miami because at the end of the game, 
what what the Raptors have that the Heat don't, as well as Richardson has been playing lately, they don't have that DeRozan guy who can just give him the ball and he can create his own shot. And I've said that a lot in a lot of close losses this year. Miami's been fortunate that they've been winning these close games, but they haven't been playing teams like Toronto lately. They've been playing fine teams, but not teams like Toronto uh, or players like DeRozan who could just basically take over at the end of the game. So it'll be a really interesting matchup, I think. Yeah, that's fascinating. You mentioned like the similarities between the teams, and like to start the year, the starting five was pretty much neutral, and the bench was just being incredible. Now it's they're both kind of clicking at this point, the bench and starters. Um, so the, the Raptors bench and, and the, the Heat bench, like those will be fun minutes, like in the start of the second quarter. Like the Raptors go with this all bench lineup. Um, it's been sort of in the interest of preserving Kyle Lowry. They've never gone without you know staggering their stars in the past, but they have this season, um, and the all bench units have been pretty good. But I am curious to see how it works against the Heat, who, you know, they, they, they it might not be the easiest off defense to sort of create against, I'm thinking, for the Raptors, like, second unit. Like, they've had issues. Most of their offense comes in transition off of defensive stops and stuff like that. So uh, that'll be fun to watch. Uh, this game will be fun to watch. Let's make a pick. How about that? The Raptors right now are 7.5-point favorites. That seems high to me. Yeah. What do you got? I think the Heat will cover. Um for so from a heat perspective this is the first game of a back to back they play indiana the next night i think right. that's the game that's the game i'm worried about you know for the heat because even if they lose this toronto game if you get blown out by indiana that'll suck that'll just that'll just suck so yeah. um i think they're going to come out they're going to try to win this one um if you're looking to split a back to back i think this is actually the one to win in a weird way even though indiana's not is slipping but um I say, I'll say they cover. I'm not going to give you a pick. I'm not going to give you a win-loss, but I'll say they cover <laughs> for the betting right, heads out there. That's the second back-to-back for the Raptors. They play in Brooklyn on Monday night. Um, so, yeah, I think the, it'll be a closer game. I think the Heat will cover. The Raptors are 14-1 and at home this season. Uh, and, I'm like, until that goes away, I'll, I'll just keep the Raptors. I'll keep picking them to win, I suppose. But I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be fun. Uh, very similar roster constructions, even though they might play a little differently, although it might be more similar this season than it has been in years past. Uh, this should be a fun one. Wes, this was fun. Uh, thanks for coming on, dude. Do you have anything you want to plug? What do you want to plug? Just uh, if you like the Heat or you're interested in them because they're a really fun team this year. Um, they're kind of coming along here. Listen to Locked on Heat. Me and my co-host David Ramil, we do uh, – we do that daily podcast, just like you do over here for the Raptors, and uh, we talk a lot about Miami Heat. So if you ever want to talk, listen to them or listen to listen to things about the Heat. I don't stumble as much on the podcast as I am right now, so <laughs> <laughs> it's good. And follow me on Twitter at WC Goldberg if you want. People who listen to Lockdown Raptors know that I stumble exactly that much every single day. So uh... <laughs> they're used to it. Perfect. <laughs> then they'll welcome at Lockdown Heat. Good advertising. Uh, yeah, you can make sure you check out Locked On Raptors as well. Leave a rating, review on iTunes. We very much appreciate that. Uh, I was on a podcast with our mutual colleague, Jared Mintz, at Fan Rag Sports, mm-hmm. Relatively Speaking podcast over the weekend. We talked about the Raptors, so if you want to check that out, you can do that there too uh, at fanragsports.com. And uh, Wes, thanks, man. We will talk again when these two teams come across each other. Sounds good. And guys, seriously, go rate both of these podcasts on iTunes. It really, really helps us. Like, it helps the algorithm on iTunes a lot. So go do that, like, now. Listen to Wes. uh, Listen to Lockdown Heat. Listen to Lockdown Raptors. All that good stuff. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We will talk to you next time. 